Today on the podcast, Jason and I go through the final quality a connection economy entrepreneur should embody. The ability to recognize that you've got infinite choices and that there really is no such thing as competition. We talk about the business models of Netflix and Spotify, and we end with the importance of creating a really good customer experience. This is Digital Bacon FM. 10 o'clock, it is exactly top of the hour. And of course, Friday, we joined on the line by our marketing guru, the one, the only, the man that is fitter than most people I know, Stephen Barnes. Drum roll. Oh, hang on a minute. I have special effects. I, You know, I've been remiss, Stephen. Normally, okay, we would do this because you are a learned man. Let's see. Yeah. That's not too bad. I think we could introduce you. Or because of your brooding nature, perhaps this. Ooh, Stephen Barnes, marketing guru, joins us on the line. And because you are quite young at heart. Ooh, yeah, baby, Stephen Barnes. You feeling me? Uh, Oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not satisfied because because none of that reflects the reality that you know I benefit from a formal education. Oh, so I hang on. Have another one that's in tune. Whiplash? No. Or because you live in Asia. Stephen Barnes joins us on the line from Hong Kong. <laughs> are you happy? Does that work for you, I'm sir? I'm fine now. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah. All my my hormones are bubbling now. Thank you very much because I have to get the last word. (laughs) All right. So fun aside, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, the competitive landscape. And as you told me towards the end of the show last week, you never got to say much because I kept interrupting. Um, No, no, no. You didn't say that you kept (laughs) interrupting. Sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. You were adding value in very interesting and novel ways. As, as a man. On an unexpected basis. A man that doesn't have the benefit of a formal education. Yes, that's me. Well, uh, you know, these things, you know. So we are in, um, well, we're talking about how to build a monopoly from nothing with no money invested, right? That's mm. the backstory here. Um, and, you know, I have produced a whole series of uh, videos uh, called the, the Monopoly Planner. And the Monopoly Planner is essentially broken down into 36 chapters and um, of 10 modules. And in each of those chapters, uh, we sort of look at uh, the various sort of facets that go to make up, um, you know, the, f- the phenomenon that uh, we've couched as, uh, you know, a, a connection economy business model mm. leading to monopoly. Uh, and in module two, chapter three, we're talking about analyzing the marketplace. Yep. And uh, as part of that, clearly, uh, it's about what you are like as a person, as an air connection upon economy entrepreneur, what kind of qualities you bring to the assessment of the landscape when you're looking to disrupt a particular market. Mm. Um, with a uh, with a new and interesting way of doing things. So, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've covered I think six of seven points that uh, represent potentially you know the elements that go to make up uh, a connection economy entrepreneur. And most of last week, we talked about the idea that you embrace the quirks of your niche and then mm. look for ways to crack the right eggs. Um, and uh, the final sort of point on the uh, sort of list of qualities, if you want to call it that, uh, that you find in a connection economy entrepreneur is that uh, you look or you recognize, I should say, that you've got infinite choices, um, that there's really no such thing as competition. Mm. Uh, Really what you're doing is you're just 
holding opportunities to differentiate. Okay. And that really just just speaks to you know the idea that uh, uh, if you are going to do something that, or if you're going to deliver an outcome in a commercial area that has presently been taken care of by the industry and organized in a particular fashion and has been organized in that fashion uh, for a very long time, then the, the landscape that you uh, observe is basically full of the same type of operators. Uh, they may all have slight differences about them in terms of you know size of their uh, their overall business, how long they've been in the marketplace, mm. whether their widgets are yellow and other widgets are green, um, you know whether you're dispersed geographically or you're competing against they're competing against each other, you know across the the vast swathes of the world via the web. You know at the end of the day you've got um, a completely new way of doing things uh, open to you through a connection economy type business model and through the uh, analysis of you know the uh, the landscape there where you want to deliver your value uh, you've got the opportunity to not um, perceive competitors out there but just look for opportunities to be different okay uh, and if you follow the sort of the ideas that we've been talking about these last few weeks that should get your brain whirring in uh, the right direction to you know come across um, other ways of well, doing things and therefore differentiating yourself i've got some questions for you and we'll, we'll go to an example that we've spoken about a little bit um let's let's talk about music in, in a way you know we had music that came out on lp then we had music that came out on disc uh, uh, uh my apologies we had music that came out on tape then on disc and then the invention of the ipod changed everything in that music well, then became available mm -hmm. on MP3, or you could convert music that you had on CD to MP3. So that that became a way for you to transport a great deal of music at one time instead of having to carry CD. So that was brought about uh, brought about convenience. I don't think that Apple expected music to change in the way that it has, or perhaps they did, but they've now discontinued the iPod for the most part because perhaps it served its its purpose. But telephones have now evolved to a point where you now carry one device and it has everything. But if you have a look at people who've disrupted the market completely, like Spotify, I mean, they've destroyed brands like HMV and Virgin Music and all of those shops where we used to go, it's changed. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. So, so now, well, the core point of differentiate. Mm -hmm. Sorry, no, yeah, no carry on, carry on. Um, I was going to say that you know the, the 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 Spotify example. The core point of differentiation there was this acute understanding that you know you only need to have one copy mm. of a uh, of a particular piece of music, and you need the means to be able to distribute that one copy uh, to you know a gazillion people around the world. Hmm. So the Spotify business model was never really about music. It was always about distributing that music and doing it in such a way so that uh, the owners of the of the music could be compensated in a way that, you know, accords with the realities of, you know, distribution, distributing in that fashion. Hmm. Whereas, you know, previously the music industry was was all about um, all these uh, parties in the middle that were able to make money out of the process, you know, mm -hmm. the manufacturers of, of, of LPs, the manufacturers of CDs, uh, the, the wholesalers of the same, the retailers out there. Um, you know, there was all of these points of, uh, of intermediation that uh, added uh, a whole lot of 
in a sense, complexity to the profession, but it was the, the, the industry, I should say, but it was the way that, you know, music was distributed because you didn't have the phenomena of being able to have a single copy and then distribute it globally to, you know, anyone who wanted it uh, live uh, for very modest cost. So, as I say, the Spotify story is not about music. It's about distribution and recognising that there's an ecosystem out there that you can tap into. Mm. Uh, and if you can make what you have available to plug into that ecosystem and do it in such a way that it uh, is clearly more competitive and more advantageous than any other way of distributing music. What you end up with is a situation where you have a company like Spotify that, that for the main calls the shots, um, whereas uh, 10 years ago, um, you know, the 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 major route to market for distributing music was still the way they'd have been for you know the previous mm. 30 or 40 years. With the exception um, of Napster and, who uh, came along and tried. Well, the thing. Well, the thing about Napster, Napster is, is that uh, um, you know they they recognised that that capability was there, but they weren't prepared to uh, engineer a solution mm. that would Licensing. actually would actually compensate and reward the people who own the music. And exactly. you know, you can't you can't build a sustainable business model on stealing, on no, theft, right? No. And that's what that was all about. But it was. And this year in politics, it, like when when. when <laughs> When anything, when anything ever when it when anything ever comes up comes along that's disruptive, invariably it's not the first party to market that's successful in the main. It's 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 the parties that come afterwards that have recognised that uh, there is a uh, there's merit in in doing it the way that the uh, the the early innovators have sort of forged away with, mm. um, but doing it in a in a more profound and a more and a more um, you know reasonable fashion that uh, reflects and protects the interests of, of everybody that's got uh, that's got a stakeholding in that initiative. Okay, so you were so, the first to market to disrupt the immigration space. And in Hong Kong, in, yes, in, definitely. In, in Hong Kong. So what have you done to now, you know, we, we've seen Napster and they were first to market and they couldn't maintain. Have you have you managed to keep your finger on the pulse so that you continually evolve? Yes, absolutely. Um, remembering that uh, in the example of Spotify, I talked about the mm. real business of, of distribution, right? In in the immigration space, the real business is essentially selling peace of mind. So you drive back from, you know, the fact that you're delivering peace of mind or indeed the ability to blame as if something goes wrong if you're operating in the corporate space. So those are the mm. two things that you're ultimately selling. So if you if you if you work your way back from those two propositions and you say to yourself, well, you know, what does a future business model look like if if recognizing that what I do is ultimately sell peace of mind or the ability to blame me if something goes wrong mm. uh, and knowing that the market's always there because the need for the outcome that, you know, we deliver, irrespective of how we go about positioning ourselves with our ability to deliver that outcome the market is there how can we um, reinvent that uh, that experience and that's what we did and we and we came to understand that uh, like Spotify we're in the distribution business mm. but the business of the business that we're in is distributing immigration information so that people can make informed decisions about what they want to do to solve their problem and if they decide that they're going to solve the problem themselves give them everything that they need to be able to solve that problem themselves so you in a sense you sort of what we've done is we've liberated the market from the tyranny of a vacuum of information um, and the internet gives us the ability to distribute that information and connect with everyone who's got you know an interest in those outcomes mm. uh, and as a result of that we change the landscape completely 
because historically immigration services have always been, always been sold on the basis of scarcity of information rather than mm. on abundance of information. Sure. And it's always been sold on the basis of fear rather than peace of mind. Mm. Fear, namely, I've got this information and capability. You want the outcome unless you pay me money. Uh, you're not going to get access to that uh, information or outcome. You're scared, right? That's where fear comes in. We do quite the opposite. We say, here's everything that you need to know to make informed decisions about you know, the challenges that you're facing in this area. And we would hope that by the time you've understood um, you know, what you need to do to solve your problem as a result of what we've given you, that you'll conclude that you do need some professional help after all. It's a decision for you to make. It's not something that we're going to ram down your throat or try and sell you on. Um, and we would like to uh, believe that the way that we've acquitted ourselves in, in getting you to the point of you being able to make an informed decision about you know, what you want to do to solve your problem, uh, if you conclude you want professional help you'd uh, you'd want to have a conversation with us rather than our competitors who mm. who haven't had the opportunity to prove their worth to you in the fashion that we've uh, we've made available to you okay now if you if you stick with either a netflix or a um spotify uh business model when they when they were planning that who would they have seen as their competition would it be bricks and mortar uh operations that distribute or would they have taken everybody in that supply chain and say, they're, they're all competition, but we need to be different to take them all out of this game? Well, well, actually, everybody, right? Because the Spotify and Netflix are ultimately the same, the same distribution model. Mm. They recognize one piece of content, focus on the ecosystem to be able to distribute it, distribute it to as many, uh, as many, as many people as possible for the lowest possible price all told. Mm. And that way, you open up the market, and uh, uh, you know you create a new way of, uh, of of delivering what ultimately was the same material to people uh, as they did as they were getting it 25 years ago. They're looking at the same material, but they're just just accessing it in a different and more convenient way. Mm. And do you think Netflix, for example, will be the end of cable channels? And I mean, as you say, it's the same. It's the same content. All it is is delivered via the web rather than via a cable, a satellite, and a need of, for a client. Decoders. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think. I mean, that's a great question, and uh, and I think in the, in the final analysis, the the trend to a single provider is there over time because there are no efficiencies in two providers essentially mm. doing the same thing because all, all that they're doing in that regard, as Peter Thiel says in his book Zero to One, um, you know, all you're doing is you're you're, you're basically competing all your profits away that the the idea that competition is a noble quest or a noble goal from a commercial perspective is horseshit um what you really want, want to be doing is uh, you want to be having a, a way of uh, moving your business forward so that you don't have any competition because if you don't have any competition you can create a monopoly situation uh, there was the segue you... for you <laughs> yes the segue yeah so yeah, yeah. So, you know, competition is for losers, literally. Um, and you, you just spend all your time competing, competing all your capital away to try and outdo somebody else who's looking to make profits in that space. Mm. Um, and ultimately, it, if, the, if the, the two sort of service lines or the two products are the same, it all settles on price. And, you know, uh, price is a race to the bottom that you don't want to win. Well, we've discussed before the positive and negative effects of a monopoly. And, you know, I have internet problems and the monopoly of telecom. Uh, they're a load of crap. Now, another monopoly that we suffer in this country is the post office. And uh, they're absolutely bloody useless. Our post office closes because they don't have enough staff to keep it going from 8 until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're supposed to be open all the time. I went in to collect a parcel yesterday and... 
Unfortunately, they no longer take credit cards or debit cards. They take cash only so because they, their systems are offline. And every time I've been in there, the systems are offline. So it's starting to smell like there's a dead rat in there somewhere and that they're the only provider except for PostNet and they've lost more bloody parcels than I can handle. Um, and the, the issue is that they have a monopoly. They are terrible at doing their business. The money's disappearing. It's obviously corrupt in, in some or other way in there. Uh, and now it's a cash-only business. And this is a government parastatal. So w- when you have a monopoly, sometimes it doesn't work. So competition does keep well, people they- on their toes. Well, indeed, but you know, to, to preface that, of course, what you have is a monopolistic situation in, in an industrial economy type profession or, uh, or, or, or industry. Um, and so, you know, uh, where you have monopolies in an industrial economy, you get all the worst, the worst features of that monopoly. And, uh, and that's why we have, you know, legislation and, and other tools and mechanisms in place to protect ultimately the consumer in the marketplace from the negative effects of monopoly. Hmm. Monopoly is experienced in the industrial economy. But, you know, we're talking about something completely different here. We're talking about uh, a monopoly type situation that engendered itself in in the connection economy where, hmm. um, you know, you whatever you say, whatever you do, or however you acquit yourself um, is completely open to scrutiny of your tribe and everybody else that's interested in it. So, mm. you know, it doesn't take it doesn't take very long to lose a reputation or uh, undo all uh, the good work that you might have attained through having been a really good operator and developing a monop- in a sense of pseudo monopoly position in a particular niche. Mm. Um, if you you know just you, you then you know take advantage of your monopolistic uh, um, opportunities to screw people. Um, uh, so, you know, my philosophy is, well, yeah, great. Consider you, you've got a monopoly potential open to you and you work your ass off to try and, you know, engender the commercial outcomes that accrue from, you know, working towards building a monopoly, you know, using connection economy techniques like what do we talk about every week. But in the final analysis, the way that you're going to survive and prosper and indeed thrive after that. Is, is to maintain the way that you've always uh, operated uh, to attain that monopoly and keep up your standards accordingly. Because, mm. you know, it, ultimately it's a choice, right? Corporately or business-wise, you can choose, hey, I've got a monopoly, now I'm going to behave, now, now, now I'm going to behave like a complete and total you know, monopolistic pra- practitioner. I'm going to, I'm going to screw everybody because I can. Or you say to yourself, well, you know, I've operated in an, in a perfectly eth- ethical, you know, monopoly building way, and I've earned the right to, you know, the monopoly that I've got as a result of the way that I've acquitted myself, you know, all during the time that I've been building a monopoly. What's the secret to my future success? Well, you don't have to be, you know, Einstein to conclude for yourself. Well, the way I'm going to make sure that my monopoly position is maintained in the future is to carry on doing more of what I've done. That got me the monopoly in the first place because you know what if i do decide to become an asshole after all and i am going to start screwing people it's not going to take too long before you know your reputation is going to be solid in the marketplace and nobody's going to want to deal with you mm. um and if nobody wants to deal with you then ergo opportunities for others to uh, to come in and mm. steal your thunder yeah they may not have your content platform they may not have your technology platform but what what ult- what customers are ultimately left with is choice, mm. and if uh, if a reasonable competitor comes along and is able to steal some of your thunder, um, particularly if they start competing against non-consumption and do all the kind of stuff that we've been talking about in the past, mm. all of a sudden you know you've now got to deal with real competition because of the way that you've acquitted yourself. Mm. So if you're smart enough to get yourself in the position 
to you know uh, to, to to claim a monopoly in a particular niche. You're certainly smart enough to know the reasons why you uh, attained it, and you're smart enough to know that you've got to carry on, you know, quitting yourself in the way that you've always done in order to maintain it. Otherwise, you know, your goose is cooked. Mm. Actually, that then speaks to the point of uh, that you raised a little bit earlier on, which is, well, you know, what about disrupting yourself, really? Are you going to be able to maintain your monopoly mm. as you uh, create, you know, new, um, n- new opportunities in the marketplace? Uh, uh, how, how do you maintain that? Well, the way that you maintain it is you continue to disrupt yourself. And that's what, what we do at the Hong Kong Visa Center. Mm. We've just launched Hong Kong Visa Sherpa, which is our corporate product. Um, that's uh, that's disruptive in a sense in our individual uh, service line for immigration. But, you know, we're not competing against those two service lines don't compete against each other. So we're not cannibalizing revenues. Mm. What we've done is we've we've disrupted ourselves in terms of the approach that we've taken to providing an immigration service as never seen before in Hong Kong that's different from the way that we do it for the individual immigration space. But both ways of servicing the immigration market that we've adopted are are completely different from the way that the incumbents do it. They're still operating in industrial economy mode uh, and we operate in the connection economy mode and we we look continually to disrupt what we've got because if we if we rest on our laurels then, and because we're very transparent, transparent about it all, it means that our, comp- our competition can see what we're all about and they can then conclude for themselves, hey, there's a way that we can actually do what they're doing, but do it better, but using the same time of, type of approach that, that you know, the Hong Kong Visa Center have adopted. Mm. My philosophy is, well, we're not going to even give you the opportunity to do that because no sooner have we finished you know, doing one particular project like launching Sherpa, and you know, we're looking at uh, at what we can do to again uh, continue to reinvent the immigration experience mm. for people. And you do that over the course of, as we've done over the course of five towards ten years, do it three or four times. The iteration that goes on just completely changes the landscape that the market's operating on, and you end up shifting the ground from under the feet of your competitors, your mm. industrial economy competitors. Well, you know, you know, when I was in Hong Kong with you, we got a couple of parcels uh, shipped out from England for my good mate Gary, 22 kilograms of tractor parts. Now, um, when I got back to South Africa, we checked what was ordered against what arrived and there were a couple of bits missing. So Gary got hold of the the people in England and said, a couple of bits missing. There was absolutely no quibble, no arguments. Oh, maybe it got lost, blah, blah, blah. They said, tell us what it was. And that day they shipped it again. No questions, no arguments. Quite right, too. And and you know this is dealing with a with a, a company on the other side of the planet where they just can't they, they don't have the time and they they want to create a good customer experience and for the cost of a couple of gaskets and bits of pieces they see the they see a long term relationship as considerably more profitable than one item and you know absolutely it would it, if if businesses actually took that approach they would be so much better served, whether they industrial or connection economy businesses, because ultimately it's about the customer experience at the end of the day. Absolutely. And two, two comments to that. Firstly, you can't teach an, an old dog new tricks, right? Woof. And secondly, those those. those those business, those industrial economy businesses that have recognized the supreme value of customer service have come to understand it's far, far cheaper in your instance to stick a couple of gaskets in the mail or whatever it is to send it over to you. That is to embark on a complete fact-finding, fault-finding mission yep. re- resulting in some written customer customer outcome report, you know, basically allocating blame and deciding they're going to take responsibility for it. Absolutely. What a, load of, what, what a waste of time that is, right? Why don't you just say, oh, gosh, 
you know, this is an opportunity for us to show that we're made of the right stuff. Yeah, we dropped the ball. Okay, we're going to double down. We're going to redouble our efforts here, and we're going to make we're going to make sure that you know your uh, your disappointment is made up for the way that we 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 respond. I think you know most consumers, most people, both you and I amongst everyone else, recognize that you know, nothing's perfect. I think most business business owners would agree that, that you know, the experience that the client sees, the customer sees at the front end is all singing, all dancing, and it looks, you know, beautifully orchestrated and, uh, and you know, butter wouldn't melt in their mouth type of um, experience mm. but actually you know when you uh, when, when you're a business owner you know at the back end what you've got is managed chaos right it's sure. like the duck duck on the pond right it's, uh, the duck looks quite quite calm and sailing along nicely it's all moving but underneath you know little little feet are paddling away like it's going out of fashion to try and try and keep the whole thing moving forward mm. that's that's the reality of, uh, of business uh, these days and uh, from a customer service perspective what you've got to do is protect the customer from all the the, the, the wagging under the water and, uh, and just just do the right thing and uh, and give them you know the experience that will make, keep them coming back in the future. Well, let's uh, let's leave it as happy ducks on ponds with nobody seeing the real work below. Thanks very much, Mr. Barnes. You have an absolutely awesome weekend. Uh, next Friday, it is good, sir. Digital Bacon FM. Now that you know the sky's the limit, join us next time to find out more about the golden rule and why it's vital that you adopt it in your business. <laughs> <laughs>